Welcome to episode 92 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Shovel Knight. You can find all things Left Behind Game Club on our website at leftbehindgame.club, on Twitter at leftbehindclub, and on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub. If you want to talk with the Left Behind Game Club community, you can do so on our Discord. The link to that is on our website. Let's get right... Ow! Okay, Shovel Knight, I'll I'll talk about the reviews. So, if you leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice, and let us know via Twitter, at leftbehindclub, we will give you a shout-out in one of our future episodes. Can I do the show now? Okay, let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him, his name is Mo Murtadi. That's smack people with shovels. Yes, uh, our chief guns officer is changing to a shovel for the first Blunt time. Blunt instruments only from now on. <laughs> and for the first time on the podcast, uh, I want to welcome from the New Entertainment System podcast, Nathan Brandt. Nathan, welcome to the show. Woo-hoo! Thanks for having me, and yeah, let's let's hit some folks with some shovels. So, Nathan, you host the New Entertainment System podcast, which is a podcast that I genuinely really love. Uh, can people? Can you tell people what the show is about if they've never listened to it? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, thank you um, for enjoying the show. We put a lot of work into it, so it's good. That it's good when people uh, when people like it. But yeah, so our show is uh, the New Entertainment System podcast, and we have a bot with subjects, styles, and twists that uh, randomize. Uh, it randomizes those words to make a prompt for us to de- quote unquote design a game uh, with the help of a guest from the games journalism industry, games podcast scene, or games industry at large. So an example of that is a lot easier to explain than the concept. So you, we can get like an open world Marvel dating sim, or like a Batman cooking game, or like a or like a Cooking Mama stealth gritty reboot or something like that. Um, and so. Sometimes we make games that we would want to play like, oh, let me figure out how that could be a good idea or that's a compelling idea. Let's expound on it. Or it's just like, you know, what if Wario was in the Amazon warehouses and and was like trying to hunt down Jeff Bezos? And that's what the game is going to (laughs) be. So it can really, really runs the entire gamut. But half hour episodes every Monday. And uh, yeah, it's a fun time. Um, well, again, thank you for coming on to talk about uh, a great game today. It's Shovel Knight. It is a game developed and published by Yacht Club Games, uh, released on literally every system, including the Amazon Fire TV, I guess. Uh, originally released on June 26th, 2014. And then, gentlemen, if you had to give your one-sentence pitch about what Shovel Knight is, uh, what would you do? I will start this time and say that... Um, my modern my pitch for Shovel Knight is that it's the best 8-bit games that you've probably played put together, but it is not inspired only by DuckTales. Shovel Knight is the best platforming game our species has created to date. <laughs> with a star at the end. With a star at the end. <laughs> oh boy. And I'm sure you'll go into the star later. <laughs> yes. Nathan, what's what's your fast pitch on it? My fast pitch is it is as good as we remember old NES games to be. Like it is, it's good today, um, and not you don't have to put any kind of like nostalgia goggles on it. So it's as good as you remember old games being, but it's good today. And it's it's probably even better than some of the games it's inspired by. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you know before uh, you started playing Shovel Knight? So kind of what's your what's your personal history with the game, um, Mo or Nathan? Uh, who wanted to go first, Mo? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I, I didn't know much, Jacob. Just like what's the common trend with most games, you always tell me to go look into and see if I want to play. <laughs> um, but what I did see was like it's very bright, very like old school, like NES style platforming game. And I think the vibrant like color palette that they chose for most of the levels was something just from the Google image search. Kind of told me eh, maybe I should kind of take a look at this. But I don't know anything but about it don't anything about yacht club games it was mostly just like a vanilla let me just try this out and see if i could kind of like it kind of game that's all i knew 
Uh, Nate, what's your personal history with the game? Uh, I bought it and played it and beat it day one <laughs> when it came wow. out. I was, I was, uh, I was following the Kickstarter thing. I was in college mm. when it uh, when it happened, so I didn't really have the spare money to donate to it. But I was committed to buying it as soon as it uh, came out, uh, and it came out after I was out of college. And so it was in a time where I had like kind of a lot of time to just sit at home and play games, and so hence why I played it all in one go. Um, and I loved it like you know 11 out of 10 game for me and um since then it's only gotten better with different content updates and stuff which we'll probably talk about but um yeah no i was i was i was hyped for this game as soon as 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 soon as i could be and did you play it uh on wii u or i know you played it on wii u originally yes did you play it on wii u this time as well no i wanted to um i wanted to to throw him some more some more dollars so i bought the standalone (laughs) shovel of hope um for uh the switch and since it technically came out in 2020 i can say that this is my game of the year as well so (laughs) (laughs) how how was it on the switch compared to the the wii u because those are two different sorry to drift off sure i'm kind of interested um, the Wii U, I mean, I'm a Wii U apologist, uh, and, and a mm. Nintendo fan, like probably to a fault. And so I enjoy being able to switch weapons with like the touchpad and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. but like with many, um, Wii U games, it didn't really change much. Um, and controls wise, the switch controllers are, are, is the same as the, the Wii U controllers mm-hmm. with, with button functionality. So it wasn't too different. Um, but yeah, no, I it was it was it was a smooth as smooth as I expected it to be, and so you know, still still eleven out of ten because it was the same kind of game feel as before. So you mentioned one point there that um, we played the Shovel of Hope campaign, and I think it's probably uh, important for us to say that this game is now available either uh, kind of with standalone uh, downloads, or you can buy the Treasure Trove, which contains I think it's four, maybe five. Uh, separate games in them or, or separate sections where you may play the original game with uh, Shovel Knight or with um, a an alternate character. And then there are two kind of prequel campaigns that you can play as well as a showdown uh, multiplayer mode. I think that's that's right, Nathan, right? Yeah, so it's, it's three other campaigns starring some of the bosses that are in the campaign. So there's uh, Plague of Shadows, which is the Spectre Knight one. Uh, or no, Plague Knight 1, of course, because it's Plague of Shadows. There's Spectre of Torment, which is the Spectre Knight 1. And then there's King of Cards, which is the King Knight 1. And then there's also a kind of Smash Brothers-like um, game that's Shovel Knight Showdown. So there's three. In the Treasure Trove, there are five total games. So four of them are a campaign, and one of them is like a multiplayer thing. And all of this was promised through their original Kickstarter, because they were like, hey, if we hit our stretch goals, we'll just do all these extra campaigns. It's not going to be a big deal. And it ended up taking them a long time, because they are a small team. I think uh, if you want to read, there's a book, uh, Jason Schreier wrote Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Uh, and in it, he actually like documents what the team went through to put out the original, uh, the original campaign and the first expansion. Their team was very small. It was like five or 10 people. They're all X way wow. forward people. Mm-hmm. And it took them a long time to do longer they had, than they had thought just because they were such a small team. Wow. It's, it's, it boggles my mind if this was just like a five man team, just in terms of like the art needed to do it. How, how long was the entire, I guess from promise of a game to delivery what was the timeline they just delivered um, the they, last part of it like late last year i believe i think king of or no or, or early this year i think i can't remember the the exact date but king of cards and shovel knight showdown came out not not six months ago from when we're recording this they, they uh and this was an original promise from the original kickstarter yep. or wow yep holy and they blew they blew away their their goal because you know like like you were saying mo you looked at it you're like oh like i think i'm gonna like this game and that's when the kickstarter was going around i think a lot of people had that initial gut reaction and it was aided by a lot of people like i know game grumps played like a demo of it before like the like the day that the the kickstarter came out or something like that there's a bunch of like um there's a good little um kind of groundswell of of um grassroots um advertisement basically for this game because it just it looked it looked like it was going to be so good and it's hard it's usually it's usually not common for a kickstarter game to look good and then actually be good when it comes out but 
Yeah, and I know I they were aided back in the days when like if you got into packs and had your game on the packs floor, like it really really mattered. And yeah. I, I know that Bastion is a game that uh, came out and got a lot of press because of um, packs. And I think that this game is kind of similar, where they spent ten thousand dollars out of their original Kickstarter campaign to go and bring the team there to show it off, and like it kind of it kicked the snowball down the hill that made this game very very successful. But I think, you know, I won't go on and on about the, the book. It's it's there. It's Jason Schreier's book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Um, but I think one thing that stuck with me when I read it is that um, one of their, their gameplay programmers, David D'Angelo, was like, I want to make a Nintendo game. I got into the industry so I could make Nintendo games and like, let's do this. WayForward had a pedigree of doing work for hire. They did some really good some really good like Wii era games like uh, A Boy and His Blob, Batman the Brave and the Bold, a lot of like side scrollers. So I'm really happy at least that they got to kind of realize their potential and their dream when way forward the team that they were working for said like, nah, we don't want you guys to do your own like Kickstarter thing. You guys should just keep making licensed titles. What's the deal with the game itself like in Steam? Because like when someone goes to look at Shovel Knight, uh, you get like five different games that pop up. Are those all sequential? Can you play one before the other? Like, how does that work for people? Because like, I'm just picturing someone listening to the podcast or seeing the name and going Shovel Knight, and they look at it like, oh, which one did they play? Yeah, there's like two names for everything. I, can you? Can someone clear that up? I almost wish that they didn't put like the 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 subtitle of Shovel of Hope underneath it because it confuses everything if because if it was just shovel knight then i could just say by the one that's just called shovel knight and then i think the other campaigns are standalone that you can you can buy as well um or you can get treasure trove which has all of them so it's it's pretty yeah it's pretty confusing i kind of wish that it was either shovel knight or shovel knight treasure trove and those were the those were the two things that you could buy to make it simple but so essentially if you want shovel knight and everything that comes with it trevor trove is the one to get treasure trove is the one to get yes or you get the original uh, Shovel of Hope, which is just the first run of the game with no additional characters, no additional knights, yeah. kind of thing. And and the other gotcha. the other campaigns are full other campaigns. Like there are different plot lines, if you want to call them that, for as simple as a game that uh, simple of a game as this is. Um, and there's different like the 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 other characters play completely differently to Shovel Knight, and it's it's really interesting. Before we talk about what kind of game Shovel Knight is, um, I know, Nate, you said how you played the game. Um, I played it on Wii U the first time, exactly like you, and then I played it on Switch with the Treasure Trove, which I bought before I knew we were playing it for the podcast, so I'm glad that I followed through and finally replayed it on Switch. Uh, Mo, how did you play uh, Shovel Knight? Uh, On Steam, just on keyboard. Just on Um, keyboard, okay. What was that like? It's it's fine. It's you know what it really reminded me of. It reminded me of those um just classic arcade games where you'd play in like the mall or the actual arcade where it just has your three buttons because mm. your hands on the keyboard are just like because you have WASD and you have J and space buttons so you're just right there. Mm. So it's huh. just like you're playing a classic yeah. like arcade game. So it's cool. Okay, so now that we know how we've played it, uh, what kind of game is Shovel Knight? I think we've kind of talked about how it's a side-scroller, how it's a lot like our favorite 8-bit and 16-bit games from from back in the day. Um, if you were kind of just telling someone, like, hey, this is how it plays, how, how would you describe the, the feel of, of Shovel Knight? If, if someone was to ask me, like, what, what is Shovel Knight, it's tricky, because, like, I can see a lot of people just looking at the images and maybe saying, oh, it looks like an old game. Um, I probably won't like it. It's $50 for all five levels. That's a high, pr- like, that type of, like, point of view. Mm-hmm. And I definitely see that. But it's essentially, it, they the developers and the team kind of went on with this mindset of let's take the best things that happened in those old classic games from like jumping around to the momentum you have when you're jumping to different platforms and let's make them modern to today's like standards. So it does look like an old crappy arcade game, but it's so well put, well put together. The mechanics are so well done. It's if you like platforming games, I think this has to be up there for one of the best ones you would have played. I'm not a platforming game guy, but I could definitely appreciate a lot of the small mechanics that are in there. Um, and I'll definitely dive into them once we kind of keep talking. So I think it's just, it's a really good platforming game. If you like platforming games and you see the images and you think it's not for you, I promise you it's probably for you. Like don't, (laughs) don't move away because of the art style. The mechanics are going to take you home to have a pleasant experience with it. I would, pretty much say almost identical 
to, to what Mo said, but except for like, it's, you can think of it as like Mario three, but with a sword is <laughs> like kind of like the easy, <laughs> the easiest pitch that I can make for it just because it has a lot of that. Um, like we've been saying that NES kind of flavor to it, but there's, uh, there's a combat, um, aspect to it and the combat goes into the traversal as well with bouncing off of things and and um like making paths with with weird like statues that barf up rainbows and stuff like that there's a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of like one-off mechanics for the different levels um but yeah a a mario game with a sword is basically how i would how i would say it it's got that nintendo charm to it yeah i think the thing that i immediately thought of before i started digging more into it was that this feels a lot like a Mega Man game Mm -hmm. and maybe less from like the actual like using your shovel perspective but maybe the way that the game is structured with the different bosses and then i felt the the movement speed reminded me a lot of like mega man 1 2 uh 9 10 11 just with the way that your character is a little bit slow there's no dash uh but i think they've they've layered a lot of uh, mechanics on top of that from great games like zelda 2 uh super mario brothers 3 and and golden axe I, I think the last thing i just want to say there's a great video on GameSpot uh where they talk about the game's influences and it's it's a, like 17 minutes but it's it's totally worth it so if you're interested in the game you should check that out after you listen to this pod yeah i think if you do play the game you should watch that right after and i think you'll have a, a very big appreciation to some of the mechanics and it's funny that nate brought up the vomiting unicorn platform machine <laughs> maker because that's exactly what i wanted to talk about <laughs> uh when we get into it it's yeah um okay well why don't we since this game doesn't really like there's not really a, a large story like there's a very simple story about like your buddy shield knight is um has been taken and you have to rescue shield knight and that's pretty much the entire story is that it's, is that it's mario fair? and peach yeah mario and peach yeah you're very just, fair finding and there's bosses in between but yeah that's it they in that video they also to mention how like a lot of the elements are like ju- it's like they took exactly what people love from previous games and got rid of the stuff they don't like and this turns into the story. Everyone kind of likes the Mario and Peach kind of repetitive, exact same story for every game, pretty much. <laughs> and and they said we'll bring that into, <laughs> except for the <clears throat> the Mario and Peach thing. But except for at at the end when you rescue Shield Knight, like there's the, it adds like a, a mechanical component to it where you're working together in the final boss. And I thought that was like a really cool way to, um, sort of show like yeah no like. Shovel Knight wants to rescue them because they're like, you know, they're they're like combat buddies at at, at minimum. Like you maybe they're boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever, but um they're definitely like, you know, adventure partners and stuff like that. And I thought it was really cool yeah. that once you once you rescue Shield Knight, then like you can't beat the final boss without using Shield Knight's abilities as well. And they shield you from stuff as as well. So it's it shows that like this is what it's like when they work together as a team and you can see like, oh man, Shovel Knight was hurting so bad from missing, from <laughs> missing Shield Knight because like they were this like awesome, crazy team. Yeah. yeah and that, that, that's why you went through every single obstacle to rescue Shield Knight. Mm-hmm. And so there are like eight primary levels and each of them kind of has a, a theme to them and it matches the boss that you're facing. There are eight kind of bosses before you get to the final part of the game uh did you guys have any highlights from either levels or bosses that you wanted to talk about because i i think for me like i had a clear favorite boss um no 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 i i want i i think me and jacob have the exact same favorite (laughs) boss and i just want to make a comment before he continues carry on okay (laughs) do you want to like say what the what the boss you think it is on three let me let me just make a like a a visual thing is that is he is he that big or no? At, at one point, I think he's he's that big. Yes. <laughs> is your favorite boss Tinker Knight? We have the same favorite boss. Yep, I knew it. And just for people listening, I was making a, like a gesture with my fingers, showing something small, like a little vial kind of thing. And <laughs> do, yeah, it do you want to describe Tinker Knight because he's so yeah. adorable? Yeah. So f- I think the best part about this this boss for me was like the fact that in the world where Tinker Knight I guess lives, it's very mechanical. A lot of gears, a lot of moving platforms that keep pushing you away, and it's almost like a challenge of like momentum, like trying to progress through the the world using like a lot of conveyor belts that are trying to kick you the wrong way, kind of thing. And then previously to this, you get like a demon devil knight looking guy. You get like a bunch of funky bosses that are like big, bad jumping. They can wield like sept like uh those like. Like giant, like 
yeah, scepter style blades, like things like that. And then you walk into this little tiny, like, it looks like maybe like a grandpa mechanic shop on his desk. <laughs> and it's a tiny little guy working on there. And as soon as he sees you, he runs up, falls flat on his face and then just starts throwing wrenches to try to, to try to take <laughs> you down. So it's a completely change of pace. You're like, this is the boss. Of course you have to assume this can't be it. Cause you, you, you beat him pretty easily. And all of a sudden, once you clear that initial part, beating up the small, tiny mechanic guy, he falls down to like that lower level where you fall down. It's all dark. And immediately in the background, you start seeing the appearance of a giant like mech with a drill bit. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's almost like the, the what's the big daddy from uh, Bioshock? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, it does remind me of that too. Yeah. Th- think of a tiny little person driving a gigantic big daddy person. Uh, and even that fight becomes a little bit like it's pretty easy. But at the same time, it was just a fact of like the emotional roller coaster of like, all right, here we go. Boss battle. Let's see. Oh, okay. okay sure. It's over. <laughs> oh, no, it's not over. And then it's over. And you're like, okay, that was cool. That emotional roller coaster. Well done without really doing that much. Like it wasn't challenged, but it was a memorable experience. I think secretly Tinker Knight is like an offspring of Dr. Robotnik. Because yeah, like kinda. that felt like a like a Sonic three boss battle where you had to jump on his giant like spinning drill to attack him in a very precise location um, with Shovel Knight's kind of main weapon, which I think we've talked around, but he wields a shovel and that shovel has kind of two ways that you can attack the enemy uh, is you can just kind of do a forward strike or you can do the DuckTales or the Zelda two kind of uh, drop uh, motion where you can use your shovel and drop on their heads and in that one that's what you have to do is you have to drop on his head and destroy his giant robot uh i think mo i wasn't expecting us to have the same favorite but uh tinker knight definitely was my my favorite uh my favorite boss nate did you have a favorite boss battle so my favorite boss battle is the f- is i is either like tinker knight or I like Treasure Knight just for the visuals of like when they hit the ground, all the coins fly up and stuff. That was really cool the first time I saw that, um, especially with like, you know, the limited color palette that they're going with for this game. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the first form of the final boss as well, just because the aspect of like, rem- yeah, the, removing the floor from you and then they replace it and that kind of like push and pull mechanics cool. Um I like all of them. Like when you were talking about like, what's your favorite? I was just like, well, I like mole Knight and I like King Knight and I like, <laughs> <laughs> like specter Knight and plague Knight. Specter so, Knight's cool too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like all yeah, of them. I think it's great because some of these boss battles like have taken from like mechanics that you may have seen in other games like it. So like when I thought of specter Knight, I'm like, this reminds me of the first boss battle in Sonic the Hedgehog one on Sega Genesis, because in that you have Robotnik that like swings a giant ball that you have to like jump over. And in this case with specter Knight, you have to like jump over uh, his scythe uh, in a lot of the same in kind of the same way. So that's what I liked is that even the easier boss battles, there was a, a mechanic that you'd remember or a weapon that you remembered. And there was a lot of variety between all eight of the, the primary bosses. Yeah. And they all kind of took on like almost mechanics that you would have seen in like the level itself in some little way, which is like, this is like design on almost another level. Cause I'm, to be, maybe I'm, I'm giving them more credit than they should. And a lot of developers do this, but it was the only time when it was like, everything just made sense. Everything worked flawlessly. Um, it wasn't like, it, it, like with, with the conveyor belts in the in Tinkerbot's world, he, his drill was almost like a conveyor belt in itself because you could jump on it and it would spit you out if you touched it. Like it would kick you away from him. There's a lot of those small little things that just add up in terms of a well, a mechanically well built game. Yeah, and I think that they do a really good job of teaching you those mechanics that you're going to need to know. So, like in that uh, in the the Tinker in Tinker Knight's world, for example, you get to learn right before the boss battle that okay, if I'm on these spinning platforms, that means I can jump on them. But if I stop moving, I'm gonna move to the bottom of it. Much like, and I, I'm sorry, I keep bringing up Sonic the Hedgehog, but Sonic Three in the circus levels where you would like move down on a platform that was spinning if you didn't move on it. So they took learnings from a lot of different games and applied them here. And and I I think there were very few boss battles that I I don't think there were any boss battles that I'm like these are bad maybe some that I hated but uh maybe one none that were bad so we have a lingering discussion Nate I don't know if you've heard it where Jacob thinks boss battles suck they don't there's no good ones (laughs) you can never remember any good ones they're all terrible but I think 
they are what they are, especially in this game. They have like a main mechanic. It's more challenging usually than the level. And it kind of some like it wraps up what you just did. That way you can go to the next like yeah, l- not level but yeah. next thing. And just this one to, does it exactly right. Just to add on, it, it's about final boss battles. My point is like there, the final boss battle is impossible to nail. So I think of like some of the best games like Batman Arkham Asylum. That final boss battle with Joker almost ruins kind of the the high high highs of that game. Um, I don't know how I feel about this final boss battle, but my opinion is like, hey, final boss battles are hard and next to no one nails it. Mm-hmm. I think that if if any game is going to like take the take the 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 mantle of having like good bosses and a good final boss, I would say that it's it's probably this one because like I was saying they they do throw a new mechanic at you at the very end, but it's not anything different than what you already know how to do and like i said it like culminates the 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 you know the quote-unquote story of the game as well and it doesn't um you know so many times when you're playing a, a game especially one that's like a, a platformer like this or a 2d or a retro game or whatever have you um at the very end they're like and now it's a we're doing an airplane level or a shoot 'em up level or something like that for the final boss and you're like you haven't taught me to play that for 10 hours so i don't know what i'm <laughs> doing now um, and it's it's or it doesn't make sense story wise like the Batman one where it's just like all right I'm just gonna fight a beefed up Joker which like is totally not his style at all um, but yeah no this this game has um, some of the best bosses um, like Mo was saying because it's like a it's like a a final test of everything that you've learned in that level and they gradually ramp it up and say like okay here's conveyor belts and here's this and you can do this here and you can jump on these missiles um, and then at the end the boss that you fight is it's got a conveyor belt and missiles that you can jump on and stuff that you can bounce on and stuff that you can't bounce on as well. So I think that's it's a really cool, uh, like a kind of a thesis of the level. Uh, were there any boss battles that you found were frustrating? Because I know that for me, uh, I'm terrible at video games, and even though this game was very generous and very kind, and like I didn't have to repeat many of the boss battles more than once. Uh, Polar Night was one that I had to repeat. I think at least six times, but only because spikes were the enemy in this game for me. I, I if I saw a spike, I was hitting it for sure. <laughs> I think that like the only boss that I had that I died like a, a, a like disproportionate amount to was the first form of the enchantress because not really in any point of the game are you taught to hit projectiles back at a boss to damage them. And that's sort of the way to get through the first form of that boss, like with any kind of, you know, with a decent chunk of health intact to go into the second one, even though it does checkpoint you after you get to the second uh, half. Um, there's no, if, unless I'm like totally blanking, there isn't a boss that requires you to hit projectiles back. And so I had trouble remembering that that was a thing. Um, but yeah, no, Polar Knight's hard because, you know, spikes are not, Spikes are not the best, uh, the best thing in any game at all. One hit spikes are not, not the, not the jam for me. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page as you, Jacob. But like at the same time, with me, when I got stuck, I had a walk through next to me that kind of babied me along. Where I'd watch <laughs> someone like tackle it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's the mechanic. Primarily because pl- platformers are just not my thing. Like this is, and I, that's why I kind of put that star in the beginning of my comment. I can totally appreciate like. It, this is something I would want to play over a long period of time as I keep tackling it. Like, um, uh, what's it called? Ori in the Blind Forest. I'm still playing that. Um, I'm and I started it maybe two months ago, and it's like, oh, maybe 15, 20 minutes here, th- 30 minutes here, and I'm loving every second of it. But I can see myself playing Ori rapidly going through it and going oh geez like that was rough so same thing with this i've noticed like if, if i put the time to play the rest of the game i would enjoy it but i can't power through it or in the blind forest or or in the will of the wisps uh blind uh the first one the first one blind okay forest. cool yeah cool will of the wisps um, i have installed but i'm waiting until i finish the first one uh even the the mini bosses in this game were good like there were some bosses on the Super Mario 3 style map that would just kind of move around and you would have to confront them at some point to get across the level uh you may have to confront them uh in some instances you could kind of go by them and avoid them but even the mini bosses like Baz was my was my favorite uh he was a a tree man i, I think i wrote tree man with rope 
but he would essentially like throw his rope on a hook and swing across and kind of hit you with it. And he was, he was pretty hard, but uh, even the mini boss designs are, are super well done in this game. So, um, uh, I, I guess if, uh, I'm not going to take back what I said about final bosses being hard, but like the boss battles in this game are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, the, those mini bosses on the map are like either designed by or references to like certain Kickstarter people. Um, oh, and it's I think it's a really cool way to you know have a cool um, unique boss battle. Like, what about a boomerang guy, or what about like a like a lightning guy, or or whatever? But they don't have to make an entire level that leads that leads up to that boss right you can just have like a cool little combat thing and if you die against it then whatever you're just back on the map and you don't have to it, you don't have to do it to progress right yeah. i i then want to know what the story is behind mr hat one of the mini bosses <laughs> who you confront in a store in the game um i but, think i think there are a couple that are like they were built in but i think like baz the and then the um lightning guy and the boomerang person i think those are all like i think they said that it was like quote unquote dev for a day um credits at the end and the names matched but i I, don't quote me on that i could be totally wrong there we've talked about the shovel and kind of how you use it but the game has a ton of kind of secondary relics uh, that you can use to boost your attack power Uh, you get them as you go through the game i think that there is oh man i think there's 12 Oh, I don't know the exact number. A dozen-ish, a dozen-ish, dozen, dozen-ish sounds right. Yeah, there's uh, there's about eleven of them, uh, and one of them you get twice as a chalice. Uh, what did you guys find that you were using the most when you were using relics? Because you got them as you went, but once you get to the final levels, you can use them all. So I kind of want to know what your what your go tos, what your favorites were. Yeah, um, I actually didn't use a whole lot. Um, if 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 any, like I, I didn't play in this playthrough. I didn't do some of the extra challenge levels that you can do for extra money, um, which require you to have like the propeller or whatever, um, or you can't do it at all. Right. Um, but for me, I just kind of stuck with what I knew. I used the, uh, the anchor, like the, you can, you can, uh, it's like an arc weapon. You basically, it works the same way as the throwing ax in Castlevania. Actually, yep. if there was like, if there was one, like critique I had about this game is that uh, I wish that the relics were um, pickups that you could either get from enemies or they would give them to you in a certain place to mm. um, do certain challenges like like the old Castlevanias do where like in Castlevania Rondo of Blood like you can it if it gives you the um, the holy water which puts something on the floor you can bet that there's going to be something that's going to come out of the floor that you're going to have to fight and that that holy water is going to like you know make it a little bit a uh, little bit easier to contend with but yeah i didn't really use a whole lot of the items but they're all they're all fun in their own way especially the uh the fishing hook um where you can just like <laughs> fish for money or health and stuff like that and there's things like the propeller that i mentioned where you can just like zoom forward or backwards or whatever that saves your butt a lot <laughs> if you're about to go into a bottomless pit um turning invisible or in, or slash invincible is a really good one too if um you're having trouble with a boss or a certain part of the game um and then the the gear that goes over spikes is another really good one to get extra items and stuff but um there were none of them that i was like oh thank god i have this or i wouldn't be able to play the game you know <laughs> I think that might have been intentional too, because like at the end of the night, it's the shovel night, not the relic night. Yeah. So like you have exactly <laughs> what you need to kind of take down almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I never found like a real need. Like the fishing, the only reason the fishing rod was cool to me is I like fishing. <laughs> um, and we played a game called a short hike where I didn't get to fish that much. So that was kind of where <laughs> my uh, my appeal to that one is. But just like Nate, I didn't really care for any relics in the game. Um, it was mostly power playthrough to kind of get through to see all the mechanics, all the bosses. Jacob, did you have one that you kind of were like, I'm using this every fight, every instance? Yeah, I think once I kind of got through the game, I was using the the phase locket, which is uh, kind of allows you to phase out so that um, you won't get hit by an enemy. I was using that and the throwing anchor a lot because you get them fairly early. And then when I got the propeller dagger, kind of like Nathan said, he loved that one. I was using the propeller dagger, the phase locket and the throwing anchor kind of whenever I could. Um 
and using the red armor set. So in the game, you get a couple extra powers. You know, you have the ability to, when you have full health, kind of with your shovel, you get to kind of throw a little energy thing after your shovel when you use it. But there's also armor sets that you can upgrade. Uh, the red armor I love because I died a lot in this game. Not a lot, but I died Is a couple times. Is that the times. health one? That's the, the one, that, one that halves the amount of money that you lose. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah, so some of them are just like, cos- one of them's cosmetic. It's just like, here's a gold armor. I hope you like it. I typically buy that one. You. Yeah, it says completely useless <laughs> next to it. So, <laughs> so you They make the it golden. more appealing by saying that. I, and yeah. I know they know this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I use the red. You use the golden mode. Did you have a preference for armor? Uh, silver. The uh, Just because the internet told me to. And wh- um, what does the silver one do? Do you remember? I can't remember. I think it was like an extra attack, but let me just... Pull it up. Yes. Yeah, so I whenever I choose armor, weapons, or items so far in almost every game recently, I always stop and I'm like, what is the best one? Am I gonna dig myself into a hole by using the um the pickaxe rather than like the the whatever chainsaw? Like what what's what's what should I pick now so I don't regret it later? And I read the descriptions and it was the, the silver one. You you min max games at it at all chances, right? I'm just always scared that I'm going to pick the wrong path and be upset that I ruined the game. <laughs> I know it's going to be fine, but it's like that buyer's remorse dilemma. Like, oh no, did I buy the wrong thing? Let yeah. me do 14 reviews before I make that purchase. Yeah. <laughs> Question, is Shovel Knight a cute character? I think so. I think it, I think yeah. they're they're designed well. Like the, the T in their mask and their breastplate make the shape of a shovel, which I think is like really clever uh, design. It's sort of like how... like. You know, Baskin Robbins has the thirty-one in the in the logo, and you're like, oh, I guess that what? is there or whatever. Um, they FedEx their logo. There's like a FedEx, yeah, the arrow FedEx kind arrow. Of style. Yep. yep, it's that kind of a thing. I think it's it's cool. It's very iconic. Um, that it's you know that that striking blue, and I think it's blue because the NES color palette had a lot of blues in it, and that's why Mega Man is blue because it wasn't getting used elsewhere in the palette, so it was easy to just put it onto Mega Man, but. Like it's very iconic, the the horns, the shovel, all that kind of stuff. The 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 design is really cool. I don't know about cute, but it's it's very iconic. It, it to to me coming in as like not knowing anything about the game. If you look at Shovel Knight immediately, you're like, oh, it's just a knight from some random game. But then as soon as you see the shovel, it's like, ah, that has to be Shovel Knight, even if I didn't play the game. Yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. Where it's like it could have been a typical sword or a scepter, but no, no, he's the Shovel Knight. You'll know him no matter where he pops up. Yeah, I, I hate to, to make uh, amiibo comments because we have a legitimate amiibo expert <laughs> on the podcast today. Yes. Um, but I think to this day, he is one of the few third-party characters that got not only one amiibo, but he got multiple amiibos, correct? Uh, let me turn around and see. Uh, uh, Nate is turning around because he owns every North American amiibo. There, uh, I mean, and we can there's, see it. There's it's artistic. There's the uh, there's the loot goblin from Diablo, which came out kind of recently. Um, I think that's it, though. That ha- yeah, I mean, there's third party characters. There's third party characters that are in Smash, but I would count that as first party, right? Because they're in Super Smash Brothers. But yeah, there's Shovel Knight, Gold Shovel Knight, Specter Knight, King Knight, and Plague Knight that are all um, that are all completely unique and it's this is sort of like a it's almost like a um adopted nintendo game like i think about shovel knight in terms of yes the nintendo game that i got on my wii u shovel knight like you know mo you said you played it on on uh, pc and like my brain was like wait really <laughs> even though i know that it's on pc but for me it's as it's as nintendo um as like mario or zelda just because of where I played it at first, right? But then also, like, kind of the the design pedigree of it. It's very, like, if you just told somebody, like, oh, this is a Nintendo game, they would probably be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, even though yeah. it is available on Fire TV, Windows, 3DS, Switch, uh, Mac, <laughs> Linux, PS3, PS4, Vita, Wii U, and Xbox One. No, I'm, t- I'm totally with you. Yeah. Uh, I played it first on Wii U. In the Kickstarter, it was only PC, Wii U, 3DS. I thought for a while, and I was probably more young and naive about how the business of video games work, but I was like, he's gonna, Nintendo's just gonna buy the Shovel Knight, and he'll be like, Mario's pal. So... Totally with you. So now I have to cry again because I've cried in our Discord server. I can't find a Switch, like, regular system for the life of <laughs> yeah. Canada. And it's been like this for the, the past, like, few weeks slash month or so. 
So I wish I could have played this on the Switch. This would be a perfect game to play on the Switch handheld as you go, like if you're taking a transit ride. Like, it's it's the perfect game. Um, so yeah, I, I totally understand that you, how you're frustrated. Like, how could he play it on PC? There's no more Switches in the world, Oh, no, man. like, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's more that, like, I, f- I forget that it is on everything, even though yeah. the PS4 version has Kratos in it. The Xbox One version has Battletoads in it. Stop, um, what? Yeah, 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 I heard of that. <laughs> yeah, um... So it's it's really it's really interesting and and speaking of cameos like Shovel Knight is in so 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 many indie games like Ukulele and like um oh my god I'm blanking now but if you go to the Wikipedia Brawlhalla yeah Brawlhalla yep which also has like Finn and Jake from Adventure Time in it too so it's its own little yeah. little weird there are Smash WWE Brothers. superstars in that game too which is bizarre yeah but yes. Yeah. John Cena versus Shovel Knight. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something that would come up on your show, Nate. (laughs) Yeah, 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 honestly. I take John Cena. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you guys want to talk about the the soundtrack? Were you you fans of kind of the the epic soundtrack on this one? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, Jake Kaufman is, if you look into some of the other things that he's done, um, he he really made this, this soundtrack to be as like close to Nintendo entertainment system sound font as, as possible. Um, I don't know if it's actually playable on NES just because of like eight bit limitations and stuff like that, but it gets, it would probably be darn close to what's repeatable there. And there's also, um, Maname Matsumi, um, did I think two or three tracks for this. And she did, um, tracks for, um, Mega Man two, um mm. so i believe i want to say that it's the propeller night stage and the treasure night stage that have maname matsumi songs in it um and just my, my favorite song in the game is uh i think it's called shield knights or requiem for shield knight or something it plays when <laughs> it plays when um it's like a it's it's this thing in music called a light motif which is like a, just a repeating theme that comes in different songs um it's when you're just falling asleep, it plays a little bit, but then when you're dreaming it, there's like a way like more like emotional and like uh, drawn out version of that. When you're dreaming, you have to catch Shovel Knight. And then in the final battle <clears throat> with the Enchantress, which like spoilers is Shovel Knight that um, or is um, Shield Knight, which is who's possessed. Um, that theme pops up in there, too. Um and it's just it has such a strong musical identity and as somebody that is like you know really really big into music i i pick up on stuff like that a lot you know the 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 music that are in the levels those are either remixed or the the sort of like motifs and themes that are in those are in the boss battles themselves as well um and i just think that it's just it's it's the it's one of the best parts of the game is the soundtrack i listen to this in my spare time on spotify which is wild because this is like an 8-bit music thing, and I'm normally not that kind of person to just listen to that kind of stuff in my spare time. Are there other like soundtracks that you listen to in addition to Shovel Knight, or is, it, is that the only one? <laughs> Sim- similar to, to how quality Shovel Knight is, the, the Undertale soundtrack, I, I, I love that. And uh, yeah, that and like Final Fantasy VII. But other than that, I think that's the only video game soundtracks that I'll listen to like in my spare time. So you see, I know nothing about music, um, like the, to the level of you guys. But it, uh, what I initially thought when I first loaded up the game was, it reminded me for some weird reason of like the first few Pokemon games I played on Game Boy. Yeah, and I don't know why. It's mostly just like I think it's the eight bit just tune in general, the consistent like something's happening, you're about to go. It's like a very high, like a mid high paced flow to keep you kind of moving. Very adventure, adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally got that, and I think that kind of helped the game too. Because I'm like, I kind of don't like platformers, but um, Pokemon's my thing mm-hmm. from way back when. So, are there any other kind of major topics that you guys want to cover um, in the game before we kind of move to the the back half or the the back piece of the show? I mean, yeah, I I think that <clears throat> we we talked before um, before we recorded in, in earnest here about like me like my opinions on stories and games and Mo kind of like resonates with them a little bit. I, I think that story needs to be like necessarily integrated with gameplay for it to be like truly like this is a video game story and not a movie story that is just interrupted with me jumping around or whatever. Um, 
and so, the sometimes no jumping sometimes just walking <laughs> exactly <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i played death stranding um but, <laughs> but uh no like the the shield knight <clears throat> dream sequence stuff um you know the the game is set up as like a sort like we were talking about before like a mario and princess peach kind of a thing where he's just like yeah i'm gonna go rescue the girl or whatever you make it as because you can actually choose the genders of like any like the enemies you and shield knight in the in the main menu which i think is really cool cool for for those that want to that want to um change that stuff around it and there's like it changes the 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 sprites of all the the enemy knights too which is just interesting to to play on a second playthrough but um so Shovel Knight dreams of saving Shield Knight as they're falling. Um, and it starts out where it's it's just you doing that. And then the next... I think it's like every other boss you beat, you have a dream. Um, and it's not just you sleeping. Um, and as you, as you go through this, there's more and more like enemies and harder enemies. And there's so much going on. Um... And you're still it. It's, it says save her or save them or save him, whatever you whatever you have it set to. Um, and it like you know it just goes to show that this simple character is is very is very driven and very passionate about this. And losing Shield Knight in the beginning like literally caused Shovel Knight to like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna become a farmer now or whatever, right? <laughs> so I'm gonna give up on my life of adventuring because Shield Knight was so important to me. Yeah. And then at the end when you beat the Enchantress or the Enchanter. Um, it will like shield knight will will fall and you catch them again and like that music plays and it's you know it's implanted into your brain whether whether you're like a fan of of music and know that kind of stuff or not your brain does like acknowledge these things on some level and the that that theme plays again and shield knight falls and you catch them and then you like they say after you catch them like oh you saved me and it's just like oh this is like this awesome through line of like music and gameplay um making a story uh that's that's compelling in a in a game sense that is like necessarily a game and that's like my favorite part of of the game and it's it like bugs me that other games aren't this good like this is one of those games that you play and you're like man why aren't why yeah, aren't other why games aren't this, this good <laughs> um did it hit and, and i i think you kind of mentioned that but there's also a sequence where shield knight kind of as shovel knight is is sitting on the ground kind of falls into shovel knight i don't know if yeah. that's after the credits or before the credits that it's actually hit credits, me because because yep. i'm like Wow, that that is like emotional. That like Shovel Knight like crawled back to uh, or Shield Knight crawled back to Shovel Knight to be reunited with uh, you know his adventuring or or their adventuring pal, Mm -hmm. and uh, that actually for a game that's you know eight bit limited story like actually kind of really hit me in the feels with the sprite work that they did there. Yeah, no, it's really simple, but it's really effective. And like story wise too, there's like stuff like with the Black Knight and Shield Knight as well. And like yeah. Black Knight is like some like you want to think that like they're like some kind of like scorned ex of Shield Knight or something like that. Um, but they they want to help out and stuff. It's just these cool little things. And like Polar Knight and Sh- and Shovel Knight have like some kind of relationship from the past. Like they used to be like buddies, or like Shovel Knight was like a. a like like polar knight was a mentor of him because he's got like a huge snow shovel like industrial snow shovel so it's it's just really cool little uh narrative design things yeah the the black knight uh shovel knight relationship reminded me a lot of kind of going back to mega man like the relationship proto between man, yeah. mega man and proto man you got it that like they're they're enemies but like it's more just like they want proto man wants to prove that he is the greatest mm-hmm. and you know he doesn't really care that much about like destroying Mega Mega Man because he loses his greatest foe. So that mm-hmm. that's kind of what I got from from Black Knight Shovel Knight, but the little things in the story are are the little things that they do to sprinkle the story throughout the game were incredibly effective. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's everything that it needs to be and all of the other campaigns have that level of stuff going on as well where it expands on the stories of the the other like kind of tertiary knight characters as well. I know that uh, I have not played the other expansions yet uh i i do at one point want to play um maybe not the um uh what is it the the plague knight the plague knight because it's really just like the same levels remixed with a new character but i do want to at least play the the prequels um with one of the the goofiest characters in the game um which is king knight 
super goofy. Um, <laughs> if people haven't played those games, Nate, uh, ha- have you played the expansions for this? I haven't played them all the way through, but I've watched a bunch of like um, design, like Game Maker's Toolkit did a um, uh, an episode on the like what the devs learned from doing these expansion things, and you were kind of dead on with Plague Knight just kind of being. Um, the same game with slightly different mechanics and Spectre Knight is like completely different. There's like a really awesome, it's sort of like a, how the messenger plays, I guess there's like different, like you, you can bounce off different enemies and that's how you do your traversal. And then, um, King Knight's thing is he basically plays like Wario in the old, like Wario land games and stuff like that where he has has like a shoulder bash thing and like a different kind of rush thing and when you do that you get another jump so you're encouraged to like chain attacks together to to keep your momentum up um and then of course in like it's called king of cards and there's like they put in like a kind of like final fantasy um eight like triple triad kind of card game into uh into this this platformer about a knight with a shovel which i think is like so weird and cool (laughs) Yeah, I, th- I think we touched on some of the mechanics before, but like that. So I want to address the. Is it a vomiting unicorn? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you have like a big beef with that? <laughs> no, it was not even a. Be- I thought it was incredible. Okay, like awesome. so, just in terms of in terms of like mechanic, because like when you look at like these eight bit style games, a lot of people are like, oh, it's probably just gonna be simple: jump, attack the minions, final boss is just jumping and dodging, like nothing for. You. But like that's a perfect example. There's the one instance where you're on this platform where there are two, I'll say, unicorn heads pointing on each side, and depending on when you interact. <laughs> with them either on the left or the right side they would push you over as if you're floating into space controlling like a magic carpet i guess yeah. and it's one of those things where i looked at it, i'm like from just programmatically that's a pretty cool little feature like to have essentially a flying carpet for yourself to move around and that's something a traditional eight big simple eight bit simple game would not have you have your static environment they may move from point a to point b but they're not dependent on the user to determine where to go and on the 2d plane it's pretty cool Mo, I'm really glad that you took that positively because I think if you would have taken it negatively, Nate would have crawled through our Discord chat and no. just been like, the rainbow <laughs> unicorns are great. He was, they're, no, they're he was great. making a shiv out of an amiibo just getting ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like, I, I think that, like, if, if if you were to have, like, problems with, like, the sort of, um, like, one-off mechanics in, in, in the game, like... Um, in Propeller Knight, it, there's like this huge vertical segment that if you fall, you fall down to lower and lower screens instead of dying, and that's really frustrating, but kind of a one-off thing for that level. Um, or like if the bouncing stuff in um, uh, whatever, the Lava Knight or whatever, um, uh, you know, those, those one-off things can be really frustrating. And the, uh, the, the Vomiting Unicorn thing, I don't even know what it's called or if it even has a name, but uh, there's so many things, especially in the final level where you are contending with that just navigating that and then there are the propeller enemies that come and try to blow you off of it and you're also trying to get through like like fire that turns on and off while you're going (laughs) through this and if you stay on it for long enough or accidentally do like a downward strike on it it'll knock it so far down that you'll die um so there's like Mm. so many things to almost literally juggle while you're while you're um playing with this so i could understand if somebody would have a problem with that but i'm glad you don't because i think it's a really really awesome part of the game and shows how (laughs) how intricate you can make a essentially like a two button game there's attack and jump and depending on what direction you're pointing that's the direction you attack in but and yet there are uh 10 levels and a bunch of other bosses and stuff as well let alone mini games in just this Thing. I think it's so cool and such a testament to the designers that they can make such an intricate and fresh thing out of just you, you jump and you slash and that's it. Yeah. Last mechanical point on that jump and slash. Like that's one thing they implemented too. If you guys notice with all of the bad guys, there's that initial flash when you interact or hit them. Um, and I think the, the logic behind that essentially was like, yeah, you can create a game where you can just dive on that bad guy and just mash buttons to just clear him out really quick, like 15 attacks within seconds, depending on how good your, your trigger finger is. Um, but this one, they made an active like attempt to like, when you strike them, they will flash like a bright color to kind of show you yet you'd you hit them. It was successful. They are damaged, but it also knocks you back a bit to let you know, okay, you have to do that again. There's no just dive in there, a 15 second boss, but you have to keep making successful attacks. 
And I think that's a great mechanic that's not too frustrating, but also gives you that positive feedback as, yeah, I am doing something. They are going down. It's not just their health bar. No, no, no. They are being jarred by my interaction. I thought that was well mm-hmm. done for any fight. Yeah, and, and the, the video we mentioned earlier from GameSpot uh, is called Seven Forgotten Ideas That Inspired Shovel Knight. Uh, it's part of their audio log series. I know we've referred to it a lot. So if you're if you're curious about this game, uh, there's that video. Nate, I know you mentioned there's a Game Maker's Toolkit video as well that may be interesting for people to read. Uh, and then uh, even more stuff if you read Jason Schreier's book. There's a lot out there about this game and about Yacht Club. Uh, so if you are interested, you can, you can kind of learn more. Um, I think that that will bring us to kind of the final section of our show today, uh, which we're going to kind of throw out a new segment that we've done before, but not formally. Uh, it is the recommendation machine. The recommendation machine. So uh, with the recommendation machine, uh, I just want y'all to share if there's maybe one or two games that uh, if people liked Shovel Knight, uh, that they could play as kind of a follow up to it. So uh, I think I'll go first and just say that if you really liked this game, uh, I really like Mega Man X. Uh, there's a PSP version where they kind of remade it with with new sprite work, uh, kind of 3D sprites instead of like 2D sprites. Uh, that's where I played it. It has kind of a similar structure, uh, maybe a little bit faster than this game as far as like a character movement speed, uh, but still very similar structure. And then if you want to go back to games that inspired it, uh, you could go back to the Disney Afterlo- Afternoon Collection, uh, which was put out a couple years ago. It has DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, the uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers games. They are NES games, so they might feel a little bit dated. Uh, but if you're okay with that, that's kind of my second suggestion. I would say sort of similar to your thing, um, if you're into the gameplay of this and want to play another game from... Uh, actually, some of the same people might have worked on this game, too, since it's way forward. But uh, DuckTales Remastered is an awesome game, and it's like very artfully done. It's the same kind of mechanics of you're, you're jumping, you're pogoing, and you're, you're, you're hitting with your cane and collecting gems and stuff. It's a remake of that original DuckTales game, and it's, it went away from digital marketplaces, but now it's back uh, on some. So it might be a little bit hard to come by, but um, it's, it's out there to get. Yeah, there was some weird, I know even for my game, the Disney Afternoon Collection, there was a weird licensing thing where like all or some Disney games got pulled from digital distribution platforms for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that game was involved in that as well. Um, and then like the the other ones that I would quickly throw out is um, Mega Man 11 because it's another like pretty brisk um, kind of um, you fight eight bosses and then you fight the the main bad guy and then the game's done. Very simple, very um, uh, like a, a nice, like clean experience. And then similar to what I was talking about with story and music um, in the game, if you like and, and graphically too, if you like the look and feel and like story uh, and sound of this game, Undertale is like a is like the RPG version of Shovel Knight. It takes all of those classic elements from um, RPGs from back in the day, but does that exact same treatment. Uh, that Shovel Knight did to old NES platformers and does it to RPGs for Undertale. So never, I, I'll never pass up a chance to talk about how much I love Undertale. <laughs> and I'm so glad I went third because I was just writing all those down. So like I've, <laughs> I noticed while playing, um, I might go on for like a good minute or two, but like I noticed that I really never played platformers like growing up. And I think that's one of the reasons why I always kind of go, oh, um, I, I'm not a fan of platforms. I don't want to play any more platformers because, like, you guys are talking about Mega Man, you're talking about Zelda 2. I never played those. I never had those. My I started with video games with the PlayStation 1, Inspire the Dragon, and those RPG open world things are what I love. So action, fire, whatever it might be. But I think I have to give it the time. Uh, Shovel Knight is probably the, the game that's like, okay, maybe there's some I can enjoy. Maybe I can kind of dabble a little bit more because, like I said, I do like Ori... Uh, in the Blind Forest. I've always confused the two names of the two games. Will of the Wisps, Blind Forest. Got it. But yeah, so it's... I I, I don't even know how to... I, this this is the, the platforming game that's kind of letting me know that they are worth your time when they're done right. In terms of recommendations, which is the original question, I can't do it, and I'm glad you guys pitched out a bunch of them because I would think this would be the, the best of all of them. This is the game to play. Yeah, I have one. I have one more, and that it, it's uh, uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze oh. is like 
maybe the only other game that I would say is a better platformer than this one. Um, just because it's like crazy long and it groups levels in threes and there's just like a bunch of really awesome um, background things. People will dig it. Oh, bad, bad, bad. Um, <laughs> Shovel Knight dig. Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> on on that note, I want to... That was well done, Jacob. I'm not going to let that go. Thank that you. was... Thank you. I actually (laughs) stole it from someone that we all know. uh, And I want to close on a question that we got from uh, someone you may recognize, Nate, um, at the candy man on Twitter. Never heard of him. Um, He (laughs) asks, and it's a great way to close the show. uh, Do y'all dig this game? Uh, So I just want your final thoughts, knowing that really, really great pun is is setting you up to talk about it. (laughs) It's this is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and it's it's something that until they make like they like WayForward has hinted that they're going to do like Shovel Knight 64 and Mo as you, you were saying like you played Spyro games back in the day like I'm so excited to see like what they would do with like a 3D Shovel Knight game you know like I I'm so jazzed for that but there's two other like spinoff games that are coming um, and I'm just so happy that you know more people are getting into Shovel Knight and you know I, uh, they deserve all the money in the world to make these games and take as long as they want to because um, you can really it's 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 really like a like a kind of like a gourmet experience if that's too if that's not too weird of a way to say it it's <laughs> it's boiled down like the best kind of tropes from older games um, but with like all of the fat trimmed off of it it's just exactly everything that you need nothing that you don't need. Um, you're in and you're out. It's a quick experience, and it's it's. There's no way that this is not going to be on like my top ten games of all time list. Um, like for as long as I live, I think. I, I'm really glad we had you on the show because I think that if I were talking about Shovel Knight, I wouldn't talk about it. Maybe I wouldn't evangelize the game, but it's definitely a game that I, I look back on very fondly and go like. I'm glad that I bought it when I bought it in 2013 on my Wii U because, as you said, uh, the Wii U is a criminally underrated system that more <laughs> more people need to play. Um, but Shovel Knight is a, is a great platformer, one of the best. Uh, I don't think it may necessarily bring you into the genre if you're not a fan, but maybe Mo can, can tell us otherwise because I think that he, as a non-platform guy, really dug this game. I, I did yeah, it I think again. It's more so, like we played so many. Of, yeah, you keep doing the digs. <laughs> I can dig it, but um, ah! it, there's it's so smooth. I've been actually waiting to say that for like two, three minutes. But um, yeah, it's it's. I should rephrase what my initial content. It's not the game that's going to get me to play like a lot of like platformers, but it's the one where it's like they can be good. Like they're not just a very static like the bosses are the same whatever it is this is the first one i was like they put a lot into it where i usually kind of reserve that for those adventure games those triple a titles that have like the scope and like the environments i didn't give it the initial respect that they could put a lot of content in it because i thought it was just another platformer but definitely not yeah and you you know you're gonna play shovel knight 2 when it comes out because of this right like if if shovel knight 2 comes out in a couple months or whatever like you're probably gonna get that day one and like like blow through that because you're you're gonna know the kind of pedigree that that comes with this so while it may not get you into platformers at large at least it gives you kind of like a an end point to like okay well here are some of the like very very best ones so that you don't necessarily write off the genre like completely and then you know going forward whenever you hear like oh a new shovel knight game is going to come out you're at least going to like you know you're going to watch that trailer at bare minimum right so yeah those are our thoughts about shovel knight uh if you want to find out more about what we do uh you can find our show and all the information about it at leftbehindgame.club on twitter at leftbehindclub and on instagram at leftbehindgameclub we have a discord uh so if you want to hang out and chat about video games you can do so the link to that is on our website before we go, I want to read off uh, one of our newest reviews from Apple Podcasts. If you leave us an Apple Podcast review and let us know, we will read it on the show. Uh, this week, I want to read off a, a review from uh, DJ Stormageddon. Uh, he had said, video games and great chats. The hosts and guests do such a great job about really diving in on why they do or don't love these games and why those discussions and these games are so important. A must listen for any fan of gaming. So uh, thank you very much for the review, DJ Stormageddon. Uh, if you want to check out the show that he guested on, uh, it was The Last of Us show a while ago. Uh, you can download that, listen to it, uh, maybe agree with him. But like we said, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcast and let us know, we will read it on the show. Uh, so just do that. Uh, Nate, 
thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, if people want to find thank your you. work uh, and your very good podcast, uh, where's the best place to do that? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Twitter at um, Two Headed Giant, and that's T W O. Um, and I, it's basically me yelling about the video game industry um, and uh, promoting my podcast, which is basically all I use social media for anymore. But I, I, I tend to think I have a decent Twitter presence. Um, and then my podcast is at the NES Pod uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, every Monday, half hour shows, um, tightly edited. Like, I'd like to think it's pretty funny. We have guests from all around the kind of games uh, scene. And um, we don't know what the show's going to be when we start out. So it's always it's always nice to come on podcasts like this where it's like, ah, I will play Shovel Knight for two days straight. And then I will come on a podcast and talk about Shovel Knight. Whereas when I start my podcast, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be talking about <laughs> by, the end, by the end of it. And so I kind of have to... Uh, um, put a lot of like weird, I have to flex some weird like improv muscles in, in that show. So it's, it's nice to have like a chill, like, yeah, Shovel Knight was good. <laughs> it's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a show to do. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it on Twitter. I'm just talking about like what games I've been playing and like kind of calling out weird, dumb stuff when I see it and trying to praise good things when I see it as well. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad you were on the show to talk about a good video game, uh, Shovel Knight. And like you said, if, if people want to find you, your podcast is excellent. So I implore anyone that's listening to this, uh, listen to mm -hmm. that show. And I said the same uh, when Cam was on the show uh, a while back. So genuinely, your show is fantastic. Thank you for making it. And thank you for coming on today. Awesome. Thank you so much. And oh, Mo, sure. if people want to find you and your work on the internet, where can they do that? You can find me at Emmertati. That's usually on all social media platforms um, and mostly on the Discord. That's the best way to kind of get in touch too. Um, we have our Discord's pretty slamming now with a lot of discussions on deals. So if you no one's on that right now, jump on over to leftbehindgame.club. Uh, we have a big button that'll take you directly to our Discord server. You can join the community of all of our guests and uh, all of our uh, listeners where we kind of talk about the best deals out there, what's going on in gaming news. We talk about the podcast and all of Mike's ridiculous takes, <laughs> and we try to kind of make sense of it all. Uh, Nate, I, I'm so glad that I'm so glad that you avoided being on a show with Mike because he's got so many hot takes. Uh, <laughs> I do too. I just, I just don't, I just don't, uh, I don't let them out as much as uh, maybe, maybe I feel like I should. I, I need to, I, I have to be very like, I, I need to be, uh, what is it? I need to be like hot take Switzerland. I have to like be very <laughs> neutral and not give my hot takes out because some of them, some of them are a little too extra crispy. Uh, you could find me and uh, everything that I do uh, at Jacob McCord on all major social media platforms. Uh, I'm making YouTube videos now too, so if you want to check that out, uh, youtube.com slash Jacob McCourt. Jacob, you can only try so hard, but you won't be as good as Mike. What do we say to them? Uh, and that, my friends, is one less game left behind. Mm -hmm.